Oh, well, he'll grow up sometime. But at 15, 15, 15... Dan. Hi Dan. Hello. This is 15, the podcast where we review the first 15 minutes of free films and choose one to watch for next week. Uh, Dan, I usually like to get straight into the films, but it's not the greatest set of uh, free films we've got to begin with. No, they're a bit subsumed. Um, is that the right word? Subdued. Subdued, yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, I think that's what Slow burn. A bit, yeah, a slow burn. So let's get to the one that definitely wasn't. Last week we decided to watch Face Off in preparation for this week's episode. So let's get to that one. Uh, Dan, something though that happened to me up in Scotland in, in between, I uh, actually saw a gentleman with a face transplant. What? Like an actual face transplant. I They're saw not real one. though, are they? I mean, I definitely saw one on morning TV a few years ago, and I think they've probably taken off Morning TV? Yeah. Hello, no. it's me, Matt Baker. That's not and today I... on the one show, I've got somebody with no face. How how um how much of a uh, nocturnal beast do you have to be that the one show is your daytime viewing? Touche. Um, but no, I can't I actually... do a Philip Schofield impression. Oh wait, oh, I can. Oh. You can. <laughs> if Dan's visual joke of him hogging on a fat one isn't enough for you to get onto our YouTube channel, I don't know what is. Watch it there. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe as always. And uh, join our join our um patreon as well to find the link that's in the bio for this podcast okay dan look when i watch our things back i can never find the patreon link will you just make sure you put it in this one yeah i feel feel like we can't actually take money off people well we give them this for free and i feel guilty for that wow Um, how was scotland quickly any uh, face transplant was the highlight gotta be He was an American man, rich man with his rich family. You can have all the money in the world, Dan, but you can't have real eyebrows. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get to face off then. This is the first film where John Woo got a Hollywood budget. And goodness me, he spent every penny of it. This is bonkers. Do you reckon he went down the street going, Woo, Mickey Red! Well, for John Woo. Is that, was that the joke? Yeah, that was the end of the joke. Um, Dan's off to a flyer. Sometimes you start an episode, you know if you're going to be doing the heavy lifting. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, Dan, what was your first comment on this film? Boom, bastic. They call me Mr. Boombastic. Really fantastic. Let me hear you roll. Yeah. So, what actual critique? That's do you my have review. On? My review? Yeah. Reggie. Review. Um, it's ostentatious, isn't it? How, how so? I mean, it's just. Everything's at this, isn't it? It doesn't shy away from anything. Everything, the set set pieces, the budget's been blown. Yeah, so it's... maybe maybe we should start there with set pieces then. So yeah. I, well, actually, I kind of want to start with premise. I think premise okay. is the great is good yeah. to start. So obviously, the idea of this film is is a special agent John Devolta 
and he decides to take his face off and swap it with a master criminal to sort of infiltrate his gang to find out where a bomb is located. Now, Correct. mental. Mental already. That is it, mental. It gets even more mental when you realise all the characters should be fired from their jobs because of just <laughs> gross misconduct. And the fact that all oh, this is based on an insane hunch. Like, What's the hunch? hunch? Whilst interrogating, and first of all, his interrogation tactics are off the wall. Like, yeah. Mental, just complete abuse to the, <laughs> to the witnesses who might not have done anything wrong. Innocent who have proven guilty, apparently, John. Um, and one of them says, Which John? Oh, Teralta. I heard a short. Do you refer to them as surnames? Because there's too many Johns flying around. Uh, Is he and John Korinsky in this as well? And uh, what? John Krasinski? Yeah. You know what in this? <laughs> Minor role. He wouldn't have been very old. Yeah. <laughs> um, Minor role. And. Oh, sorry, I've got a small sausage roll <laughs> joke in my end. Go on, make it. No, it's awful. Um, well, so. Well, so, anyway, do they deliver? One, <laughs> I'm chicken and bitch. <laughs> so, um, he's asking them about something or the bomb. And on the way out, the gangster says, "Oh, I heard something about the first, as in a date." And on on that, he decided to rip his face off and swap it for <laughs> someone else's without telling anyone. Mental. That is insane. What this man is ludicrous. He should be locked up in prison. That's why he's ended. Can we to be ended speak up. about? John Travolta quickly. I thought John Travolta was worse at playing John Travolta I, yeah. than, yeah, than I mean, when he was playing Nick Cage's character. Well, I, I sort of, I assume very similar to that is I find the idea of John Travolta playing the crazed Nicolas Cage character incredibly watchable. Yeah, that it's more brilliant. He was, and Nick Cage was great as deranged Nick Cage, but also John Travolta. Yeah, he was good as John but John Travolta as John Travolta was terrible. How do you mean? John Travolta as the cop, really bad. I was, I thought, what is right. this? I thought it was a really bad, cheesy film. The moment they swapped faces, I was like, actually, Nick Cage carries this film as both deranged cop, d- d- sorry, deranged villain from which John Travolta's character then mimics and kind of does alongside. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? No, 100%. Once you sort of... When you start forgetting about plot holes and stuff, yeah, yeah. And, stuff <laughs> and you just sort of, I'm going to enjoy this now, you do realize that the vehicle is Nicolas Cage, like completely. Yeah. And although he has some moments which are, I, I'd love to hear the dialogue between his director because I'm sure Nicolas Cage just doesn't listen and he just goes full throttle on every take. I'm, I'm adamant he does. Yeah, um, those moments are, he has to, <laughs> it's in his rider. Um, those moments are interesting, but this idiocy that leads from them means all the poignant moments are just completely lost. Yeah. They don't have the effect that they didn't no. to have. It feels this whole film for me felt very video game esque. And what I kind of mean by that is that any moments, Go on. everything is a set piece. Everything is choreographed. And obviously, of course, every film is choreographed and every film is set piece. Of course, I understand that it's broken down, but this felt even more so that there's no, it's just a, it's a narrative. It's a way of telling a narrative rather mm-hmm. than there actually being any craft or any kind of display of r- not talent. No, I get this. I get this what you is, mean. I, I, I find it really not... hard to review this film. Go on, maybe you well, can... Well, the acting's not sort of 
you know, you're not seeing any development in the acting or development in the characters. And I get that completely. I don't think the actor's been told, yes, you can go and do something with this scene. Or like I know a few directors do their films in a way where they leave a lot of things open to interpretation with actors and so on and back and forth and an open dialogue. I do get the point. I, I think you can definitely see the tonal switches, like they're literally the gearbox clunking mm. as it mm. changes between like levels and yeah. goes. This is sad. This is action. This is tender. This is because that was actually just to jump to the end of the film. I think something it lost was you know when she, the when the wife realizes and kind mm. of twigs and she takes him back. Now I know that, I know you've just said you have to ignore plot holes, but like the trauma that that would have gone through your head if that had happened would just be astronomical. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't be able to look your spouse in the face ever again. Do you know what I mean? That whole mental image would just fuck with you so much. And there was none of that. It was just, oh, I'm now on your side to help you defeat the villain. It was very kind of route route one, this whole film. Yeah, and you're right. I like that that clunk of tone. That's a nice sort of way of putting it. No, 100%. It was, I just found it really hard to review because I enjoyed it. Yeah, totally. The set pieces were amazing. Were they? They were at the start. The spectacle. Well, the spectacle of them. Yeah, I don't know. It became a bit of a, a trope factory towards in parts of this film. We had the going into the ambulance, talking about he's going into the ambulance to his beloved wife, um, holding onto someone's hand before they drop, like a prison break. Like All that stuff was so cliched. And for me, the action sequences, like, I know I'm a bit numb to them anyway. And that's a fault of mine. I'm, I get a bit bored during action sequences. But this was this was elongated. Some of these yeah. are like, it's like that bit in a musical, which I've always said, I can't stand about musicals, where you think they finish a film, a song and then they pick it back up again and that kept happening in this as well was, oh yeah. like, come on let's can we move on now like the bits when it was good were when they had the full change of the bodies and the twists were happening but like with most thriller action subgenres, and the final act action takes over and it just stays on the tracks and oh, i don't know i struggle a little bit but it had moments there were elements of this i thought that kind of were reminiscent of bond and All i don't right. The kind of, again, the spec, maybe it's just because they were in boats and that sort of reminded me of From Russia With Love. But I just thought, you know, the kind of old, the classic Bonds where there's the big showpieces, something that Spectre kind of was a whole throwback to, where Mm. you're at different locations, lots of explosions, lots of high stunts, speedboats, cars, planes, trains, all of that. That kind of... I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I think overall it's just this video game point that I've already sort of said is that it just felt everything was kind of play along. <laughs> yeah, it felt it felt like a contradiction in terms for me. Like because on one side it's undoubtedly cheesy, um, it's bonkers, but I do think it's well made. Yeah, I mean maybe it doesn't have the subtlety. Really, no. but it's it is a well made film. It's well directed. No complaints there. Set pieces, like you say, I'm not always wowed by them because most of that is just sort of organising yeah. and so on. But and I know once you look past the bonkers premise and how you get there, the idea of two men switching bodies and one being stuck and one being in an advantageous situation and sort of almost re- looking enviously at each other's lives that's yeah. quite nice. And even when they bring the sun element in. Yeah. you think do they want to stay in these bodies one's lost his son one's got a younger son he can almost relive that 
that's quite good. But then the really cheesy, clunky, doughy-eyed ending, which you can tell is coming, those bits are just quite unforgivable, really. Yeah, and this is why I really enjoyed it, and I would watch it again. And it's also a film that's not taxing in any way, which Mm -hmm. is quite nice sometimes to go. And because it's so long, you can kind of just sit there and let it wash over you and you get it. But you're right that I, I struck, this is how I'm struggling because I enjoyed it and I watched it and I probably would watch it again, but from a critical point of view, it's terrible, but yeah, it's tough to, I, I, I love your point that it's really difficult to review this film. It you, is. You said off camera, I think, didn't you? Uh, listeners might realize careful what, what I said off, careful but, what I said uh, off camera. It's more of a movie than a film. Yeah, a hundred percent. I do. I do think that it, it. This is just the movies, and this is sort of something to. One of the few films where I let people eat popcorn whilst watching it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Sure, let's have popcorn. Let's watch this film because it is. It is fun. And what did you think of? I know you touched on it a little bit. But what do you think of the acting performances? Did anyone well, impress you? Anyone yeah, at all? I thought they did. When they were switched, they really did. Okay. I thought John Travolta captured this deranged psychopath that. Nick Cage had created in those first 15 minutes. I think that because there was no subtlety, like you said, these caricatures that they made were quite, is evocative the right word? Quite tangible, quite Mm -hmm. real. They Mm -hmm. weren't, they were absurd, but they were so full of life, vivacious, that then that gave, they were quite enjoyable performances to watch. No, I definitely take that point. I mean, I've always got this long-held belief that I think Travolta himself, as a person, is always a bit bewildered. Like, I think there's a hint of Asperger's to Travolta. I don't know if that's yeah. libelous. But I just I just think there is a bit to... He, he just doesn't seem the like Asperger's he's always with it. would be annoyed. Like, the, even the Adina Menzel video, which we both absolutely adore, <laughs> when, he's, when he's introducing her, that's just another sort of sign that this guy's just not fully with it. And I think that was just him being himself then. Where do you stand on the uh, sort of movement that uh, Nick Cage is actually a very skilled actor? Oh, no, I I do. Well, obviously, a big argument in his case is Roger Ebert, which he claims Nicolas Cage should be the best of his generation. And (laughs) he puts him on a pedestal with Jack Nicholson and De Niro and Pacino. And I've seen um, Leaving Las Vegas, where he won the Oscar for, and he's very good in that. And... I think this is probably the start. You can sort of see him going full mental on camera and no one says, puts a hand on his shoulder and says, all right, simmer down. Hang on, yeah. And he, I think he thinks he can get away with it. And I know he's meant, I, I get why he's meant to be so deranged in this because you have to see the transition in characters and show the clear black lines between them. So when Travolta becomes Cage, yeah. like you see it in the prison sequence, he has to embody this maniac. So I get it. But... Surely there has these levels, these degrees to how Nicolas Cage should act and how many <laughs> he should be, right? It's just but behind. did you not think he was really good as this kind of? I tough, think he's a good as... actor. I do think he's a good actor. Yeah, I enjoy. I enjoyed both performances. I thought everybody around them was dreadful. Mm. Um, they were dreadful. I thought they Daughter, were, they were wife, son, all awful, awful, just bad. Um, and also, didn't it feel like a, if you didn't know that if you had no idea who Nicolas Cage was or John Volta, you know, we said that about forty fucking times already. Mm. If you didn't know who they were, I wouldn't think that this was like a big famous film. It feels no. like a cheesy Channel Five sort of made film. Yeah, it's late about night. All the money spent on it. Yeah, where you first watched it. Well, yeah, very much so. 
Um, right. I've okay. just got two quick things. Go very on. quick. Um, yeah. Can't remember. Floor one is yours. We'll just one. Can't of them remember now. one of them. Second Fine. thing was I'd love to see Tarantino and Nick Cage in a film. Do a film together. I mean, to be fair, Tarantino used to be very well known for reinvigorating the careers of people. And Nicolas Cage could kind of do that. Have you seen Nicolas Cage's next film? I think it's just come out. Is it the one where he plays Nick Cage? Yeah. The incredible weight of talent or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, mean, we've we've reached full peak (laughs) method mode, haven't we, there? Um, But yeah, no, I'd quite like to see that. Um, Who knows? I don't know. Would you recommend this film? Uh, I don't know. What are you getting out of 10? I don't know. Did I give it a six, I think? Yeah. I said I would recommend it, but... Oh, yeah, six and a half, actually. I'd recommend it, but not seriously. Six and a half. I'd probably recommend six and a half. Six and a half is probably the same as what I had, sorry. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Depends who I'm recommending it to. Yeah, that's what I mean. If Danny Lee said... What's your favourite film? I wouldn't say Face Off. I like the fact that you and Danny Lee meet and he's quizzing you on your film knowledge. <laughs> Danny Moore from this Oracle. What is your favourite film? <laughs> Fuck off, Danny. Where's Antonio Quirk? <laughs> um, okay, we can't put it off. Uh, we can't put it off much longer. Let's get to the actual films we're meant to be reviewing. So Let's we do it. To, we have to choose one of these. Uh, and it might not be this first one. So the first one up is legend newly added to netflix that's why we're doing it came out a few years ago it's the biopic on the cray twins both played by tom hardy dan where do you stand on this one on the gullet to <laughs> quote you <laughs> uh awful soundtrack <laughs> it was i mean I it was terrible just like everything else this is just wishy-washy you know right, the big thing i have on this film is or was it washy-wishy yeah <laughs> Very good. Is that a twin joke or something? I don't know. Um, is the fact more that... a panto joke in my head? I didn't really. Doesn't it like you. Um, is if you had, if you weren't Says the already, guy with the hands. If you, if you weren't already a fan of the queer twins, right? Yeah. Then there's nothing in this opening fifteen. Spit minutes. that out. <laughs> I was waiting for you to comment, and I just thought maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's learned that we're trying to fucking broadcast here. We shouldn't keep it interrupting constantly. Anyway. If you're not a fan of the Cray Twins or on their history, there's nothing mm-hmm. in these first 15 minutes to make me watch this film. Do you know what I mean? It I hasn't agree. tried to capture the attention of the sort of unsure viewer. And that's it, my review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I have some... This is just fine. Well, it's probably it's probably not. <sighs> it's not really a film it. for me. Yeah, it's... There's a couple of quite big errors for us. There was like a real colloquial um, reference. Did you get that? Go on. Oh, is that um, Barbara Windsor and... All right, John Collins. John Collins. Oh, yeah, I have celebrities in it. I just thought, again, it sort of roots it in this... Well, is it not for EastEnders fans, this film, anyway? Because it's so EastEnders Cockney. So if they they see Barbara Windsor, the name on the screen, they're like, oh, yeah, amazing. I don't know. Maybe it's my anti-London bias, being born and raised yeah. in the north. But I, I don't let stuff like that slide. You've got, you've got to, you've got to impress me. I'm not just going to be sold on an aesthetic and an aesthetic that I didn't like. I didn't like the cinematography yeah. here at all. It was very shiny as well. Yeah, horrible. Like this fake I've... gold hue, wasn't it? Yeah, 
they're no grit. Like the Cray twins are notoriously violent gangsters. This should be a really gritty, punchy opening, and it's all quite subsumed and quite sort of that word again. B- yeah, BBC. It's like the BBC version of it. Like, oh, oh he walks down the street, says hello to the copper, offers him a cup of tea, and then goes and asks the girl out for a dance on Saturday. Hundred percent feels like a BBC movie. This does, yeah. and like you know, we both mentioned that the set looks identical to the Peaky Blinders street. Yeah, and Peaky Blinders has got that grit. It's got that sort of esteem, and this just doesn't have it. This feels like posh EastEnders, and not even that posh. Yeah, no. I also have an issue, and um, this is a kind of step back from the film but this kind of cult of personality around tom hardy and him playing this geezer character mm-hmm. the accent i find incredibly unpenetrable i really grates on me and it's i don't think he's particularly good at it it seems okay. forced it's not particularly clear um he, well he's one for sort of trying to be uh difficult to understand isn't he let's be honest but it just seems a bit tropish at this point, and it's oh Tom Hardy's doing that accent again. I don't know. It just it felt like he was doing a voice, and part of acting is not doing is sort of hiding the craft, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you said to me because I remember when we both were getting into films. I said uh, I was a big fan of Tom Hardy's, like what six seven years ago or something. And you basically said, "Is that still the case now? Do you think he mm. still holds that place?" And like he has this deal with I can't remember who it's with now. I think it might be with Sony, but he's got one of these like first refusal contracts right. can come up across him, and he can see if he wants to do them. And for a man that has that privilege, he's picked some poor films. He really has. He started he had that sort of really sweet spot like Bronson and Ticket to the Soldier Spy, and he's just like, he's a, venom. Yeah, he's amazing in, in this, that. and it's just what's going on here. What is going but on? I don't know. It just, for me, I, I've sort of watched a few of the other things. So you've not really seen much Peaky Blinders, have you? I've seen but the first two seasons. Where he plays Alfie Solomon, he's like this legend, and it's, oh, Geisha, Tommy, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he did Taboo, which... Oh, of course, another, another thing, London thing. Yeah. London thing. Also, we've reviewed on this before, but um, Venom, again. Oh, yeah, 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 it's too scruffy, like, this kind of down and out geezer kind of persona that he sort of adopts i just don't yeah. think it's particularly it's, it's, i don't think it's particularly good i, oh, I don't know why he keeps doing cha- it but it's not challenging well, well he was in the drop and he was good in that yeah he was to, good but that's, that. a, that's a similar character again that is another very similar character and i don't think he's really pushing his range here uh, let's try and stick with the film though although it's hard not yeah. to work tom hardy because he plays both characters uh, we only really prominently see one of the twins the other, ones yeah. the, the other one's in an asylum. So it's the man about town. I can't remember. It's Ronnie and Ray, isn't it? I can't remember which one's which. I think Ronnie's no, the Reggie, man about... isn't it? Or is it Reggie? Reggie and Ronnie. And we see Reggie first, and then Ronnie's the mental one. Ronnie's, Ronnie's the mental one. But yeah, we basically see Reggie like walking around. And I promise, although we heard the voice, and that might give it away, I genuinely was already going to say, this is such a film Gemma Arterton would be in. Is it actually her, though? Did you confirm it? I don't so know. I thought it was the girlfriend who we would then see on screen. Yeah, I mean, that is her, right? No, that's not Gemma Arterton. Oh, is it not? Who is no. it? It's one of those ilk, isn't it? It's one of that ilk. She does look, look like... It's Emily Browning. Who? Are you sure? Yeah. Right, Gemma Arterton's not is. in it. Fucking hell, Duffy's in it, though. <laughs> Where did Duffy, Duffy go? go? I asked that question for years, and it went unanswered <laughs> until we found out yeah. uh, what happened. It's like, why is a raven like a writing desk? It's one of those sort of... Well, it's not, actually, because that... No, there's an answer where did, did the raven go? get raped um so <laughs> whoa can you believe that 
Um, I just want to talk though about narration because in the last film, what we um, we're going to review, there is good narration. I would say. Would you agree? The voiceover. I, I can't remember what the yes. name was. And um, this was bad narration. And do you think it was because it was Morgan Freeman? Or is it just because this is bad narration? Well, Morgan Freeman, as we all know, is in a tier of his own. Yeah. For being the voice of God, storyteller, narrator, yeah. as it were. Literally. And, and this was Gemma Arterton's shrill. It wasn't even Gemma Arterton. It's not Arterton. Gemma Arterton. <laughs> it's Emily <laughs> Browning girl. Um, but yeah, no, this was poor. And uh, I was really quite disappointed. I thought it was going to be punchy. I thought it was going to have a little bit more reason to watch spunk. it. I thought it had a bit more spunk to it, 100%. Well, speaking of spunk... It was slow. Get... It was slow. Have you got any interest in watching this? Not really. Lovely stuff. Uh, okay, let's move on to... And neither should you, listener, slash viewer. Let's move on to The Constant Gardener. This is our next film. So this got... Uh, some Oscar buzz back in the mid-noughties. Rachel Weisz won the Oscar for it. She did. And uh, it's about a diplomat, a sort of mild-mannered diplomat and a sort of hot-headed relationship <laughs> wife. Can you put um, a uh, cutaway to Hong Kong Fui in here? <laughs> is it the mild... Is it the uh, sergeant? No. Is it Janet, the telephone operator? No. Is it the cat? No. Is it the janitor? Could be. Right. Let's start with the uh, the structure of this film. Then, so I quite like what they've done. So they've decided to. The wife dies. The wife oh, dies, and you find that in the first minute that the wife dies. And instead of building up to that moment and having speech, who's shock the director moment, of this film? Sorry to interrupt, but who's the director of this film? I'm not sure. Apologies. The constant. But thank God you interrupted instead of just quietly googling that whilst I spoke. Um, Fernando Mirielas, because he's up there with Hitchcock. Kill off your lead character in the first few minutes. um, So instead of building to that moment, they decide to have her killed early, and they use flashbacks to tell us why we should care, which I quite like. That's that's quite a nice move. Um, But then for the rest of the fifty minutes, it's a touch stale. I guess he's meant to be this, like I say, he's the tentative, pensive character, isn't he, Ralph Fiennes? And Rachel Weisz is of very clearly this leveruationally hot-headed, explosive character. And I just don't... What was that word there? going on here. Do you know what I mean? Have you got any comments on the first 15 minutes? Yeah. Uh, I've got three, actually. We'll I find it first. all very British. It's all very... Oh, hello. Oh, yes. Oh, um... All right. right. Tending plants, and I'm it's all that kind of good radio four, uh, kind of audience, and that's right. very deliberate. Because have you ever read any John Le Carre? Because this is where it's a John Le Carre novel that's been adapted. Okay. John Le Carre's novels are very much like that, they are very oh, hello, kind of British. Oh, I meant oh, and 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 it's all that kind of it's not the big action spy shoot em up, bang, 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 big stunts. It's all the I thought that was little, an title. Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's stiff. It's, I get it's, that. It is stiff. And so you, there's, there's very much his. You can see his voice in this film very clearly, which I guess is a good adaptation. All you know, it's good, good feature to have if it's an adaptation. But does it make for compelling watching? Yes. No. Oh, I'm very sorry, uh, but your wife, she's dead in a car. You know, there's oh, she's dead, oh, and then it's all a bit stilted. And I guess that kind of works in this idea of 
it being in a political sphere where people don't always say their minds, people don't act on rash instinct, people think before they speak. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel too out of place. But yeah, I take your point. But this is a this is these are British um, upper class, well, middle classes moving going over to Africa, and maybe you want to see the distinctions in personality and in upbringing and cut from different cloth. So maybe that becomes apparent. But no, I get your point. It does feel a little bit stilted. I quite enjoyed though when it seemed to turn up a level. Did it turn up? It did. It felt a bit for me. We get this in the flashback when he then takes her you know meets her takes her to bed and then sex scene of course no no no. and then straight away into seeing her burnt corpse and him throwing up it i kind of like that that. adventures in the bedroom i must tell you i've never got to the burnt corpse stage Uh, what did you think of the sex scene because it was probably the most interesting thing to happen in the first 15 minutes i don't think it's particularly lewd was talking about it uh again very british it's all sort of, oh, let me take your, your tights off. Get, oh, I'm, get I'm wearing my grey off. <laughs> boxer shorts. <laughs> what ho, what ho, and done. Was that good for you, madam? Yes, good. Um, so let's Forty. talk. So, you put that Family Guy clip in, yeah? <laughs> do, we, do we think, um, do we think of, a, do we think a twist's coming? So we see him, he supposedly sees they his They probably will there. dance at some point, yeah. <laughs> He supposedly sees his wife dead. His wife is said to have shared a night with a different gentleman previous to her car crash while she was out of sight of her husband. So there, there is layers here. There's, there's room for a thriller to manoeuvre amongst these sort of weeds. So do you think oh. that's going to happen? Or do you suspect this will be pretty... I was about to say linear, because it's not linear, because it's interspliced, but pretty rudimentary. What was the question? Sorry, I just was thinking about your gardening pun. Uh, that's it. What was your final comment you had on this one, by the way? Again, slow burn. But probably more interesting and more compelling or more more thought-provoking than... The Cray Twins. <laughs> okay, let's get to our final film. And yes, we do have to choose one of these three, so let's hope it's a nice one. Uh, we have got Million Dollar Baby, which won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor back in 2000. Second only to Lord of the Rings, I think. To uh, pick up so many acclaimed ones <laughs> in, in that year. Um, so Million Dollar Baby, Clint Eastwood's Baby, if you will. Uh, Dan, how did you find this one then? For well, a boxing film, you've got to try and avoid cliches and it hasn't done that oh, okay. so far. Very hard for boxing films to do that though, to be fair. So you're a bit of a connoisseur of the old boxing films because uh, you know everything about boxing, don't you, being a former... Oh, wait, no. Uh, a former, you call it the weight cast. Watching a lot of boxing films and having an interest in the sport. Yes, sorry. Yeah, just I mean, I think... The, get that right. Sorry, in my head. So Sorry. It's just... I think the viewers can tell that by looking at me. I'm a huge boxing yeah. and MMA fan. I think they get that. Um, they do. So you, let's, let's start with Morgan Freeman. You and Joseph Butterworth. Let's... <laughs> So, <laughs> I thought the opening was actually quite dynamic. Okay. But maybe that's because I'd seen two very undynamic openings. Um, oh, yeah, no, I'd tell you that. Definitely more dynamic than the what we the uh, other fare that we've been served up. Um, I like that it was perspective from a cut man, in yeah. a sense, at, at the ringside. You're going to have to give the nice. lingo to uh, 
the non the gentleman that deals with the messed up face as you come back to the corner. You know, puts right. the Vaseline on, stitches you up, squirts out the blood, that sort of thing. And I was interested in having that perspective. Why is he touching his penis? That's not usually <laughs> that's not usually shown. Um, but like you said, it, it's a better start than the two previous films we have watched. <laughs> this episode, yes. <laughs> and then it slows down. Yeah, and it's in a boxing gym, and he has the same tryouts come in, and no hopers, and have they paid? Well, you can stay for a long, but don't encourage them. And I don't think Quinty was acting is very good at all. You know, he doesn't blink when he fires a gun. <laughs> Does he not? No, you know, one of the few actors to not. His cheeks are like they're constantly blinking. He's got that many fucking wrinkles. My God, <laughs> you seen his face? Mental. What one man, one works? man in Hollywood that said that no to Botox. <laughs> I don't know, why didn't you interrupt me and see what it was? Sorry, I'm just musing to myself. Talk about wrinkles. Go on, what's the film? Go on, what's the film? That one with those four women. What? <laughs> the one with the four, and they had the little flower thing that... Oh. Um, thingy from The Godfather did it. What's the woman oh, in Godfather? Oh, going... Um, God's sake. As soon as you said that, it's chucked out my head. <laughs> In Annie Hall, the very Annie famous Hall. actress. Yeah. Oh, what's she called? called? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Go on. That film. Diane Keaton. Keaton was in. What was that film about four oh, women? Book club. <laughs> book club. Going after the Wrinkly Brigade. I was going to say we were, we were pretty much isolating our viewers here, but actually, uh, guys, you should l- l- listen back to the old that was book a good club one. episode. That was a good one. But I won and only. Uh, okay. <laughs> Million Dollar Baby, Dan. Sorry. Anything else? Um, well, I, I want to talk to you about that gym. No, the gym kind of setting, because Jip-hoo. it's quite a good way of ex- dealing with some exposition, isn't it? Yes, because at can a glance be. you see all these different characters. Anthony Mackie's obviously the peppy upstart. That other weedy guy. There's the girl, the wannabe. You've got the prize fighter that's already there. Like, mm-hmm. because boxers. Tell me if I'm wrong, or maybe just that setting is so. Um, the characters are so big and so loud mm. that you instantly kind of then have points from which to spiral off and grow. Uh, and Clint Eastwood, I guess, there is doing that same thing of being the kind of tough, no-nonsense gym boss. And whereas Morgan Freeman, again, is being the mm-hmm. kind of steady underhand, you know, with him. So, yeah, whilst this film's not doing a lot, you know, nothing unique... I don't think it's doing anything particularly badly. No, I agree. And I think a box setting is always an interesting one for sort of troubled characters. Like in today's setting, it's used for discipline and like people that don't go into the army, go to a boxing ring and you'll have father figures there to sort you out. People to keep oh, straight and narrow. And <laughs> um, so that's always going to be interesting. And obviously, as you have new characters enter, you get to hear their backstory. So it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel tortured. You're hearing yeah. about their backstory and you see Hilary Swank's character struggling on hard times and that classic line by Morgan quite, Freeman, um... where she's like in the middle of nowhere in Goodbye or whatever, like where she was born. And those moments are quite nice. But for me, I kind of feel like I've seen this before. And I'm a wow. bit, I'm a bit, I know, I know the Academy love a boxing film, um, but I don't really know why this has got such incredible reviews and such acclaim so far. Because I never really, I just never got around to it. I'm not. Which films do you rate though more highly above this? Uh, Fighter. When did that come out? After. Just after. Yeah. 
um, it has it has a woman in it who wants to be a fighter, and it has an old man who's running a boxing gym. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But what uh, I'm saying is, is it okay? Do, are you liking films that have come after I, this film or before? No, I don't. I don't think it's just a, a, akin to this film, but like stuff like Raging Bull from yeah. before is an exceptional film. Like when we joke about about Creed, but Creed came out a few years ago, and the first hour, quite a few years ago, the first hour is so good of Creed that really does do something different with the genre. But anyway, I don't want to talk too much about other boxing yeah. films. So let's try and stick with this one because this is probably the film we're going to watch. So let's yeah. some other nice things. Well, I I think again, it it didn't do anything offensive to me, and I thought actually the opening was okay and was quite you know i would want to see where it goes and i i can very easily see what's going to happen we're going to get you know the big guy's going to fall anthony mackie guy's going to step up there's going to be a crisis there the girl's going to get trained etc etc i see all of that mm -hmm. but maybe this film will surprise me and you know i'm happy to let it um because it's not doing anything badly Okay, lovely. Right, we'll get around it's to this captured one then. captured my attention more than... Than the ones that we can't remember the names of. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, let's stick with this one then. I feel like we might have shortchanged the viewers on this one. Viewers, that just shows how much we've neglected our listeners. Um, please watch us on YouTube. Um, by by doing such free, mediocre films so far. So I just want to quickly mention before we go down, because we've just got a little bit of time left. Um, mm -hmm. I, I watched a film recently that I thought was absolutely fantastic and I want to really highly recommend. So I watched The Handmaiden, which is the Korean film which won the Oscar for foreign language film a few years ago now, about six years ago or so. Uh, that's currently up on streaming sites. Try and find it. Give it a watch. An exceptional sort of erotic thriller. So clever. So sort of a sideways glance at itself. And oh, very, very special film. Really intriguing. Give it a watch. Camping wasn't that fun then. That was previous. That was previous to camping. Camping trips was uh, just pure reality TV whilst we were stuck in the tent. Dan, have you seen anything recently that you uh, want to recommend to the viewers? The Aurora Borealis. It's quite expensive to get there. Very nice. You can see it from the top of Scotland, apparently. Not when I was there. John O'Groats. Been all the way was, to the top. With John O'Groats, more like John O'Scroats. Awful. We'll never go back again. Horrible. <laughs> horrible people. Horrible place. Thanks, thanks to our Scottish listeners and our Scottish viewers. Uh, we'll be back next week to review Million Dollar Baby. Thanks, Dan. Bye. You've been listening to a The Rest Is Noise production. For sales and advertising, please email therestisnoise.uk at gmail.com. For more episodes and to keep up to date, follow The Rest Is Noise on Twitter.